This is the Morning Rush. We are indeed open for business once again, but not without uh, some behind-the-scenes drama to get things started. What is good? It's your boy, Tony. But then again, what else is new? It's your boy, Tony C., back in the big chair for another two hours of the Morning Rush here on the all-new WCMD, brought to you by Thomas Cumberland. Where the experience is all about you, we are live from the palatial WCMD studio, high atop Industrial Boulevard, at least 10 feet up, you know where, on the south side of the Queen of City, baby, coming up on today's show, don't look now, but the Bucks have made it a series. The Islanders and Lightning kicked off their Stanley Cup semifinal in Tampa. One team showed up, the other did not. Could the Orioles finally win a game on the road? Could the Pirates finally win a game anywhere? And an NBA MVP getting absolutely no love from the officials. All of that And more coming up in the next two hours of the show. Good morning to you. How the heck are you? So glad to have you on board. So glad you could take some time to tune in and hang out as we kick off yet another essential work day and an essential work week. Several ways to get involved on the show. As always, uh, check out our Twitter pages at WCMD Morning Rush and at Rush Tony C, our Facebook page at WCMD Cumberland Radio. All of those pages free and open to the public. Like them, follow them. Anytime you want, reach out, get involved. Got a question, a comment, an opinion, a thought on whatever we talk about or something that you want to bring up. Feel free. Rush line is open, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance, 301-759-2628. And, of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app. You know how it works by now. We upload every show every day, minus commercials. You can go back and check out anything you missed whenever you want. I don't do it for me. I do it for you. So take advantage of the situation. So there you go. All those ways to get involved on today's show, which we will kick off like we do every day with a rock around the region. I want to rock! And we start with Major League Baseball where Kyle Schwarber Howard, the Nationals, passed the Giants. Again, the Nets have a chance for their first lead of Game 3. It's Durant. That is not. Is this this really going to happen? Is this. Are you serious? See, this is what I was talking about at the top of the show. When I was having some behind-the-scenes issues. I have 21 audio cuts for today's show. And just give you an idea of how this works. 
we get audio cuts from several different uh, places, different, uh, you know, ESPN has an audio vault, more or less. We get audio from the Pirates, different sources. So I collect all these, you know, audio clips, and we put them into a, a program that sends them into our system, okay? So I gather these 21 audio cuts today, send them through this program into the system. Except they never went into the system. And this this is like 20 minutes before the show started. And as I'm trying to pull them over into what we call the hotkey page, the the hotkey page is a page with all the buttons, which each clip that's, you know, it's in there, it's labeled. So I know as we go through the show, which clip to play. So when I go to move all the, the clips onto the hotkey page, they're not there. They're still labeled as clips from Friday. All right? Does that make sense? So the new clips today didn't transfer over. So I had to do some restarting, some rebooting. And it looked like the clips are all there because they're labeled properly. For instance, this first clip says Nats cut Schwarber home runs. But when I go to play it... Again, the Nets have a chance for their first lead of Game 3. It's Durant at the top against Giannis. Gets by him. Passes to Brown. That's still last Friday's cut! Are you serious? Uh, You're going to have to bear with me here. Because I'm really about to lose my mind right now. Hold on. So so this this, uh, Phoenix Suns cut... Should be Devin Booker with a steal and a layup. What do we have? Nemeth off the near glass, can't clear the zone. Bounces around toward the high slot. Catch ready and now touch shoots wide. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a hockey cut. Sure it is. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Why wouldn't it be a hockey cut? I think that was a, a Canadian. So, all right, let's try one more here. Let's try one more. You know what? You ever? I'll tell you what. You ever? You ever want to get in the live radio? Don't, don't. If if right now you are going to pick a career path and you say, you know what, it'd be pretty cool live radio. Don't. Let's try one more. All right. Let's try an actual hockey cut. This should be the Islanders uh, Barzell's goal from yesterday against the Lightning. 2.1 seconds to go. Here comes the trigger. Griffin looking, looking, down three into Durant. Durant with one dribble. Nah, it's nothing. There. there you go. Okay. All right. So what I'm facing right now is an entire two-hour show with absolutely no audio clips whatsoever. Is that is that what we're looking at here? All right. So that's, that's going to be fun. All right. So obviously... And again, as I've said before, usually, you know, in a real talk show and under a normal setting, usually there would be a producer here, right? So as I was talking, the producer would be trying to fix the situation, right? He would be working behind the scenes as I was talking to you, trying to fix it. However... Since I am the judge, 
the jury, and the executioner on this show. I got to do both. And apparently, as I'm getting these, now I'm getting a ton of, uh, apparently this is a building wide now. It's not just the studio. Okay. So there you go. All right. So let's just go through the rock around the region without audio cuts as best I can. And then we'll go to break, and maybe I can fix the issue in you know during the break. So uh, I apologize. I apologize. I mean, what else can I do? What else can I do? You, you try to put on the best show you possibly can, and sometimes you can't because your hands are tied because of crap like this. So I apologize to you, the listener, on this Monday morning for having to hear this as I go through it in real time. Anyway, I mentioned Kyle Schwarber. Oh, this gets me so angry. So angry because you, you come in here at 4 in the morning to try to get this stuff together, to put on the best show you can, and this stuff happens, and it's so aggravating, and it's so annoying. Would it be too much to ask for something, for everything, one day to work properly? Seriously. Kyle Schwarber had himself... A pretty decent game yesterday for the Nats. He had two home runs, four runs batted in, in the first two innings of the game. As the Nationals beat San Francisco 5-0 to earn a split of their four-game series. Schwarber became the sixth player in Expos slash Nationals history to homer in both of the first and second innings of a game. Joe Ross... Had himself a game. Got it done on the bump. Just five hits, season-high nine strikeouts in eight scoreless innings. Josh Harrison had four hits and scored a run for the Nats. Elsewhere, the Orioles were trying to salvage at least one game from their weekend series in Tampa. And this will be where I played the cut from Bally Sports Sun when Randy Rosarena hit a grand slam, his first grand slam of the season. If things worked properly, you were to hear that. But they don't, so you won't. 7 won the finals, or the final, excuse me. As the Rays completed the three-game sweep, handing the Orioles their 15th straight loss on the road. It's the worst road-losing streak for the team since they moved to Baltimore from St. Louis in 1954. Pat Vileka had an RBI single for one of the O's two hits in the game. The Rays got seven no-hit innings from its bullpen. And in Milwaukee, the Pirates were also trying to avoid getting swept in their series with the Brewers. They did not. Brewers won the game 5-2. They get the sweep. The Pirates have now lost seven games in a row. Will Crow just caught up from AAA Indy on Saturday through five really good innings for the Bucs. He allowed just one run and struck out eight before being pulled by manager Derek Shelton for reasons that we have absolutely no idea because that's when things went off the rails for the Pirates. Jacob Stallings hit his fifth homer of the season. Adam Frazier had two more hits. For the Pirates. In high school baseball, 
Regional play gets underway today in short gap as Frankfurt will host North Marion for game one of their best of three series. That's in AA Region 1. In Class A Region 2, Moorfield will host South Harrison for game one of that series. And in AAA Region 2, Jefferson is hosting Martinsburg. In the softball regionals, in AAA Region 1, Hedgesville is at Washington for the opener of that series. In AA Region 1, 27-3 Kaiser is hosting 26-0 Oak Glen. And in Single A Region 2, Petersburg opens its best of three at Clay Battelle. And that is your Rock Around the Region brought to you by the Cap Rally Group. Now, I mentioned going back to that Nats game that Kyle Schwarber, the sixth player in Expos slash Nationals history, to homer in each of the first two innings of the game. Do you want to take a guess on who the other five were? Just I'll give you a couple seconds. Talk amongst yourselves. Five other players before Schwarber yesterday. Now, again, I remember I said Expos slash Nationals history. Homeward in the first, and and only one did it, I think, if I get my, my dates right, only one did it for the Nationals. The first four were still in Montreal. If I have, I'm not quite sure if I have my dates right. Because I'm fuzzy right now for a couple different reasons. On when the Nationals moved, it was the 2001, was that when it was? Has it been 20 years? I think it was 2001, I think. So in that case, four Expos did it before that one final net. So here we go. The first one to do it, Ron LaFleur in 1980. Very first player in the franchise history to homer in each of the first two innings of a game. Then it was Will Cordero in 1985. Moises Alou in 1996. Mark Gruzelanik. You remember old Mark? He did it in 1998. And then Bryce Harper did it twice with the Nats in 2017 and 2018. So there you go. Kyle Schwarber joins that list right there. The series in itself was pretty bizarre because before yesterday, the Nats had scored a total of three runs in the first three games, and they still had a chance for for the split. The Giants also scored just three runs in the first three games, and they had a chance to take three or four in the series. Now, they ended up getting the four-game split. The Nats won their games 2-0 and 5-0. San Fran won their games 1-0 and 2-1. That's a total of 11 runs between the two teams in a four-game series. In this day and age, that's almost unheard of, especially in a four-game set, let alone a three-game series. They played four, and the two teams combined for 11 runs. Pitching definitely on display In this series, as I mentioned, Joe Ross, great game yesterday, eight scoreless, season-high nine strikeouts. And again, this is where I would play you a clip of manager Davey Martinez uh, praising Joe Ross for his outing, but I can't do that because I don't have my clips. So there you go. 
going back to <laughs> going back to uh, I am being bombarded by text messages right now from everybody else in the building because they're all having issues. Like the whole building is just basically uh, crap the bed this morning. Every studio. So as I'm sitting here trying to do the show, they're trying to get things fixed. I can't even. I can't even help them. I can't even text them back and say, "Hey, I'm having issues over here because I'm sitting there doing this right now." <clears throat> uh, Martinez also had a clip about guys getting on base because, as I mentioned, Josh Harrison had four hits. So guys getting on base, setting the table, and then guys like Schwarber cleaning it up with his two dingers. Well, the first one was a leadoff home run, so there obviously there was nobody on base. So Nats get the win. They get the split. Uh, what happened in the Pirates game? I don't know if it's, if it's a matter of, of guys just overthinking things. We always talk about coaches overcoaching or overmanaging. But I mentioned Will Crow for the Bucks. Just called up from AAA Indianapolis on Saturday. And right now it escapes me who they sent down. Somebody went on the injured list, I think. And I would tell you that if the internet worked at all. Well, here we go. I'm telling you, this is, I, I, should, I should be allowed to drink. I should really be allowed to partake in beverages. This I, I should. I can't, even, I can't even get a web page to load properly. I mean, this is, this is insane. This is absolutely insane. I should be allowed a couple sips before the show to, to you know try to calmly deal with this. I'm literally trying to load one page and it won't pop up. I, I'm trying to find out who the Pirates put on the injured list and I, I can't even get the page up. I, I can't. This is, are we really doing this? Are we really doing this today on a Monday? Is this how we're, this is how we're starting our week? Anyway, Crow was really good. He allowed a first inning run, and then after that, he retired 15 straight Brewers. Okay? So fifth inning, he gets through five with just a one run, and he wa- I think he walked a leadoff batter in the sixth. Oh, here's the webpage. There we go. How about that? So Crow, he allowed a leadoff single, and then an RBI double in the first inning, okay? Then, as I said, he retired the next 15 batters, struck out a career-high eight, all right? Eight Ks through five innings. Then in the sixth, he walked the leadoff guy, Tim Lopez. Derek Shelton pulled him. He pulled him. He's cruising. He's cruising at that point. He walks the leadoff guy, and he pulls him. Brings in David Bednar, who then blew the game. Because the Pirates are winning 2-1. They were winning 2-1 at that point. Urias comes in and immediately hits a a, a triple off of Bednar. Game's tied at 2. And then uh, Garcia hits a two-run ball. And then all of a sudden it's 4-2 and the Pirates lose 5-2. Like, what are you taking Crow out for at that point in time? 
And I, I didn't hear Shelton's comments after the game. What was, let me see. I'm, okay, I'm going to attempt to load the box score here. So you may want to, you know, grab a sandwich and a cup of coffee while this page loads as well. I don't know what Crow, maybe he had a high pitch count. Let me check his pitch count. I don't want to, I don't want to criticize Shelton when, you know, it's not necessary. If the pitch count was high through five and he walks the leadoff batter in a six, maybe I can understand it. But if the pitch count was low and he's cruising like that, 15 straight batters before the walk, and you pulled him? Here we go. He was at 82 pitches. That's that's not a lot. I mean, it's a lot through five, but it's not it's not a lot, you know, it's not enough to pull the guy from the game. So he pulls him, Bednar comes in, and he craps the Bednar, giving up two two runs. And then Howard comes in. It's 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 overmanaging. Let the kid pitch. Let him pitch. I know you just called him up. Let him pitch. Now, if he walks the next guy or gives up a hit the next batter, maybe you think about it. But the leadoff walk wasn't enough to pull him. Now, I'm not sitting there criticizing him if it works, right? That's how that's that's how we do it here. You know, you, you it's we we have the uh, what do you call it? The luxury of hindsight, right? Because since we know how it played out, we can criticize. If Bednar comes in and shuts the door, then we, we're not sitting there talking about it. But that's not that's not how it worked. Shelt made the pitching change, and it backfired, and they lost. When your team, and I guess this is what I'm getting to, okay? When your team is on a six-game losing streak, when your team is as bad as the Pirates are, why are you overmanaging? Let keep the kid in the game. What do you have to lose? Seriously. What aside from another ball game, which you lost anyway? What's the purpose? He just got called up. He's pitching probably the best game of his life, or at least of this season, for uh, Will Crow. And you pull him after a walk in the sixth. I don't get it. 82 pitches. Didn't make any sense. And they lost again. Quit. Don't overmanage. He should have left him in. He should have left him in the game and see what happened. And again, if he leaves Crow in the game and Crow gets shelled, then he gets criticized. I understand how it works. I do. And trust me, I'm not the only one who questioned the move. I'm not I'm not the only one. Let him at least try to get through six. It was a quick hook, and it should have never happened. And as a result, they lost the game. And now they've lost seven straight. In a season like this, quit overthinking things and just let him play out. And as I mentioned, the Orioles, they get swept. Tampa Bay is really good, by the way, in case you haven't noticed. The Rays are really – yeah, they lost some pieces from last year. They traded Blake Snell away. So you, you kind of thought that they would take a step back, and they haven't. They haven't. They sweep the – well, been sweeping the Orioles isn't exactly, you know, going through murderer's row. But the Rays are right there again. They're right there. It's, it's incredible. They have now opened up a three-game lead on Boston in the AL East. They're 42-24. and 24. 
You see where the Yankees are, by the way? <laughs> Yankees are uh, in fourth place. They're behind Toronto by a game. Somebody asked Aaron Boone yesterday if they were getting, uh, I don't know what the, what the word was used. Was it accustomed to losing or used to losing? He did not appreciate that question at all. And, and rightfully so. It's, it's a bad question. Are your players getting used to losing? Well, I, I know we talk about professional athletes and they, and they play for money, but I still think they want to win because if you win, you make more money. That's just the way it goes. The Rays. The Rays are actually – now, I know the series was in Tampa, but they're 23-10 and 10 on the road. That's impressive. But the O's lose. They've lost 15 in a row on the road. That's the worst streak in franchise history. And so they keep on racking up those <laughs> wonderful statistics. So, so, this, so this season, the Orioles have a 14-game losing streak overall and a 15-game losing streak on the road. It's good times. It's good times. If it wasn't for the Diamondbacks, the O's would have the worst record in Major League Baseball. The O's are two games better than Arizona. The Pirates are three games better. (laughs) Uh, You know what I can't wait for? I can't wait until the NBA playoffs and the Stanley Cup playoffs are over. Then all we have to do is talk about these crappy baseball teams. That's going to be fun. It's going to be enjoyable. I got to sit here every day and talk about the O's and the Pirates and the Nationals still trying to figure things out into August. All right, I'm going to take a break. Might be permanent. (laughs) Maybe I can get these audio cuts figured out in the next four and a half minutes. Maybe. We'll see. If not, yeah, boy, it's just it's just going to be me. It's going to be me for the next hour and a half. Your phone calls. You can help me out here. 301-759-2628. It's just, this is here. It's just jawbone for the next hour and a half. Um, whatever. It doesn't have to be sports. I don't even care anymore. Stick around. Rush rolls on. WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Tony C. in the big chair, if you're just tuning in, uh, it has been one heck of a ride here in the the first 40 minutes. Something is is gone batty in this building. And nobody can transfer audio clips. Nobody can hear audio clips. I had 21 clips queued up for today, for today's show. NBA playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs, Nats manager Davey Mart, and none of them, none of them. I repeat, none of them came over. I can't even get Amanda Mangan's newscast because it won't transfer over. No, nothing. And I don't, I don't know if you know this, if you're aware of this, but in radio, audio is really important. <laughs> Audio helps, especially when you're trying to fill two hours of a show. Even even the logs are messed up here. Like like when I went to go to last break, 
I mean, you got to understand, like, our, our breaks are, are kind of timed out. There's a break at, like, you know, 20 after and, like, 36 and 45. Because the first segment went long, when I went to the break, it automatically jumped to the second break. Because it was, you know, and that should never happen. Because we're live here. And that should never happen. It should never jump on the log because we are indeed, I have full control, or at least I'm supposed to have full control of the console here. I mean, this whole, this is an absolute mess. It's an absolute mess. A cluster, if you will. But we move on. 301-759-2628. Rush line is open. Hit me up on Twitter at WCMD Morning Rush. On Facebook at WCMD Cumberland Radio. This is a test is what it is. It's a test. It's a test. We are all put through things in life that will test us, that will push us to our limits, that will push us to see how we deal with adverse situations. And this is one of them. This is a test. It's a life test. So far, I'm failing. (laughs) So far, I am failing. It's not true. We're doing the best doing the best we can. I appreciate you sticking with me this morning and tuning in and hanging out as we really just try to navigate through something that I've literally never I've never ever in I've been in radio for what? Far too long? 20 plus years. I've never had this happen. Never. So, this is definitely unprecedented as far as uh I am concerned. I saw Le'Veon Bell over the weekend. And look, my, my weekend was busy. I don't know about yours. Hope you had a good weekend. Uh, my son's graduation party was this weekend. So I was extremely busy. Um, didn't really get to pay attention to a whole lot of stuff. But my boy Duggar, brought, he was at the party. He, he, he brought this up to me. He was like, what's up with Le'Veon Bell? And I'm like, who knows? What isn't up with Le'Veon Bell, right? And... Apparently, he said that he never wants to play for Andy Reid again in the Chiefs. And I'm not exactly sure why. It's because he didn't play a lot last year. Like I'm trying to get the, the, the scoop on this story. He said he enjoyed his one season with the Chiefs in 2020. But he said he'd never play for Andy Reid again. Something tells me, Lev, that the feeling is mutual. Something tells me that Andy Reid doesn't want you to play for him ever again. And this is another situation where Left Bell just, he just, I don't know, he, he seems to burn bridges wherever he goes, right? He says, never did I say I didn't enjoy my time in KC because I love my time there and was probably the closest locker room full of players I've ever been around. I enjoyed my teammates, the city, food, the fans, just about everything in KC. So apparently he had an issue with Andy Reid. Now, Bell later apologized. He says, I'll admit that's something I could have and should have kept to myself, and I apologize about that and that only. He says, I don't regret what I said because that's how I feel. He's talking like he has a choice. 
That, that's what kills me. Bell, he didn't get into specifics about what Reed said or did to him that led him to the Instagram post where he put, I'd never play for Andy Reed again. I'd retire first. So Bell's like, well, I apologize for you know publicly saying that, but isn't regret what he said. And apparently it's something that Andy Reed, because Bell put on Twitter, because, you know, he can't stay off the socials. He said, I said what I said, and I don't regret at all what I said. For those who have a personal problem with me because of what I said, that's fine. You have your right. Just understand I also have my right for how I feel about my personal problem with dude because of what he said to me. So that's the question. That is the kicker. What did Andy Reid say allegedly to Lev Bell to make Bell come out and say, I'd never play for Andy Reid again? That that is, you know, the $64 million question. My point is, he's saying like he has a choice. I'm never playing for Andy Reid and the Chiefs again. Well, well, you're not anyway. So what's <laughs> it's not like they're clamoring. They're not knocking down your door to come back, Lev. You're done in KC. You played nine games there last year. You had 254 yards rushing last season. I don't think they want you back. So going back here won't be an issue. I tell you, it'd be a good topic for a show one day. Uh, athletes who absolutely torpedoed their own careers. Like the top five athletes who torpedoed, Bell's got to be upper. This guy had it made in the shade in Pittsburgh. When he was a stealer, he was so good, pro bowler, putting up crazy numbers. Where, where's he been since then? What has he done? What has Lev Bell done at all since he left the Steelers? What? Give me something of note that that dude has done. Now, and it was it, it wasn't. I know it was Lev Bell and Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh. Those were the two, uh, two guys causing problems. Even though Roethlisberger was blamed for all of it, but Bell was about the money. Antonio was just crazy, right? And, I, and 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 a lot of people want to put Lev Bell and Antonio Brown on the same the same plane. Like they, they were acting the same way, and they really weren't. Antonio Brown was trying to crazy himself out of Pittsburgh, and he did. Bell wanted money. It was, it was a money thing with Bell. I know he was doing some dumb stuff, you know, he just, well, jet skis and, and rapping and all. You know, he wasn't really focused all the time. But his big issue was money. And so he chased the money, left a situation where he had a pretty good deal in Pittsburgh. What's he done since? What? What? And now here he is again, burning another bridge for whatever reason. You talk about a guy who, now I'm not saying if he stayed in Pittsburgh, he'd keep on putting up those numbers. I don't know. But a guy who seemingly just had it all, like such a a bright, tremendously bright future, if he just were, would have been happy with where he was. I guess, what do they say, right? Grass grass ain't always greener, is it? Lev Bell is a prime example of that. All right, uh, one more break, and then back to wrap up the hour. Stick around. WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. We made it through one hour. Of course, there's one more to go. 
not uh, the best of starts to the week as we've had some major technical uh, difficulties today. No audio clips at all because of just a bug in the system. No NBA clips, no hockey clips, no baseball clips. Nothing. No clip from Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma coach, who loves the proposed college football playoff expansion. No clip from NC State baseball coach Elliot Avent or Avent after they stunned number one Arkansas in the College World Series yesterday. Stunned them. Stunned them. Upset them. NC State going to Omaha. Arkansas going home. Stunning. Now, this is about the time where I might have some clips uh, from the Stanley Cup playoffs, but I don't. Islanders and Lightning kicked off their Stanley Cup semifinal yesterday. Game one was in Tampa. The Islanders, the road upset. They got uh, goals from Barzell and uh, Pollock. They beat the Lightning 2-1 to to take a 1-0 series lead. That's big. That's huge to get that first win on the road to open the series. And to hear Lightning coach John Cooper talk about it after the game, this is his quote. It says, quote, Our work ethic was there. Our compete level was there. Our minds weren't there. Some of our decisions were poor. That's what happens when you get deep in the playoffs. End quote. You're defending. Now, look, I'm not a professional athlete, nor do I pretend to be one on the radio. I don't know what it's like to go through the grind of a Stanley Cup playoff seat. I don't know. I have no idea. We're down to the final four teams in hockey. And I've said this before, the toughest thing to do in sports is win the Stanley Cup. So I'm sure it's a mental grind. But you're the defending Stanley Cup champions. All right? You won the Cup last season in the bubble. You have a chance to get back to the Stanley Cup Finals. You have game one in your barn. How are you? How are your minds not there? That's a, that is a poor excuse. How are your minds? You, just, you literally just went through this last year against the very same team. They beat the Islanders in six games last year in the Eastern Conference Final. You're in the exact same position, well, except for the whole bubble thing, that you were last year. As a matter of fact, you're in a, a better position because you were at home. Last year, you were in the bubble in front of no fans. You're at home yesterday. And your minds weren't that, – that, that's, that's, a, that's a garbage excuse. Your minds weren't there. Islanders' minds were there. The Islanders weren't turning the puck over. The Islanders weren't giving up breakaway after breakaway after breakaway. They've been through the same grind you have. To sit there and say, oh, well, our minds weren't there. That's Well, then you know what? That's your fault. That's your fault as the head coach. If, if, if your guys' minds weren't in the game in the Stanley Cup semifinal, then I don't know what to tell you. I'll tell you what, better be there for game two because you fall behind two games to none. If you lose the first two games at home and have to go back to the aisle 
for games three and four, you're dust. You're dust. You better, <laughs> your team better get their minds right for game two tomorrow. Islanders are no joke this year. They're no joke. They were good last year. Tampa Bay was better. You can't afford at this point in the season to not have your minds in the game. All right, our number one, done. Our number two. What else? That's coming up next. Stick around, WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Let's get through our number two of the Morning Rush here on WCMD. Brought to you by Thomas Cumberland. With locations in Bedford, Johnstown, and of course, Cumberland. Tony C., In the big chair, live from the palatial WCMD studio high atop Industrial Boulevard on the south side of the Queen City, baby. That's all I could do is laugh about it at this point. I was upset in the first hour. I was angry. I still am. But it's now deep inside where it should be. What are you going to do, right? Life throws you a curveball. What are you going to do? You going to adjust, right? Or are you just going to whiff? Reminder, several ways to get involved on the show. Check out our Twitter pages at WCMD Morning Rush. At Rush Tony C. That's the letter C, not the word. Our Facebook page at WCMD Cumberland Radio. All of those pages, free and open to the public. Like them, follow them, drop me a line, whenever. Taking your calls on the rush line, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance, 301-759-2628. Your call's very welcome today since I don't have any audio clips to play for you. And, of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app. We upload every show every day, maybe not today's. Take all the commercials out, and uh, it's all right there for you to go back and listen. For instance, if you missed the first hour of the show, you missed me losing my mind. Because I discovered right before the show started that none of my 21 audio clips transferred over. Apparently, there's a bug in the entire, every studio is having issues this morning. So that got the show off to a pretty awful start. Although we're picking up steam. We also talked about Le'Veon Bell burning another bridge, saying he'd never play for Andy Reid and the Chiefs again like he has an option, like he has a choice. And we talked uh, Stanley Cup playoffs right before the hour ended. Tampa Bay head coach John Cooper saying that his team's minds weren't there yesterday and their 2-1 loss to the Islanders in game one of that series. My question was, you're the defending Stanley Cup champions. You have game one at home. How, how can your minds not be there? Just come out and say you played like crap. I mean, just seriously. Just come out and say, you know what? We, didn't, we, we were terrible. Made terrible passes. Gave up three or four breakaways. We just weren't good. Don't say, oh, our minds were. He said, oh, we competed, but our minds weren't there. You just weren't good. I understand the Stanley Cup grind is real. But don't use that. Don't say that. My, our minds weren't there. How can they not be there? 
you got a chance to win back-to-back cups. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear it. If I'm a Tampa Bay fan, I don't want to hear that. If I bought a ticket to that game yesterday, I don't want to hear that that team I paid money for to see their minds weren't there. I don't want to hear that. So anyway, that was the first hour of the show. Let's uh, get this second hour started with a rock around the region. I want to rock right now. And we start with Major League Baseball, where Kyle Schwarber uh, powered the Nationals past the Giants. This is where I would have uh, played you a couple home run clips from uh, Mid-Atlantic Sportsnet, uh, but I don't have them. But Schwarber had two home runs, four runs batted in, in the first two innings of the game. As the Nats beat San Francisco 5-0 to earn a split of their four-game series, Schwarber became the sixth player in Expos slash Nationals history to homer in both the first and second innings of a game. The last to do it was Bryce Harper. He did it twice, uh, once in 2017 and again in 2018. The other four times, uh, they were all Expos, going all the way back to Ron LaFleur. In 1980, Will Cordero in 1985, Moises Alou in 1996, and Mark Grudzelanek in uh, 1998. Joe Ross got it done on the bump, just five hits and a season-high nine strikeouts in eight scoreless innings. Uh, Josh Harrison had four hits and scored a run. For the Nats. And uh, as I mentioned in the first hour, that series was just goofy. Because before yesterday's game, the Nats had scored a total of three runs in the first three games. And they still had a chance to earn a split. The Giants also scored three runs in the first three games. And they had a chance to take three or four. Now, they, it ended up being a four-game split. Nationals won their games in the series 2-0 and 5-0. San Fran won their games 1-0 and 2-1. That's a total of 11 runs between the two teams in a four-game series. In this day and age, that's almost unheard of. In a three-game series, let alone a four-game set, 11 runs in four games. That's crazy. As I said, pitching definitely on display. Joe Ross, great game uh, for the Nats yesterday. Elsewhere, the Orioles were trying to salvage at least one game from their weekend series in Tampa. And I would have played a cut for you, uh, Randy Rosarena hitting his first Grand Slam of the season after Brandon Hyde intentionally walked Austin Meadows to load the bases. Rosarena gets to the plate and goes, Face and goes yard, Grand Slam. The final 7-1, the Rays uh, get the three-game sweep, handing the Orioles their 15th straight loss on the road. It's the worst road losing streak for the team since they moved to Baltimore from St. Louis in 1954. Pat Vileka had an RBI single for one of the Orioles' two hits In the game, the Rays got seven no-hit innings from its bullpen. So, so far this season, the Orioles have had a 14-game losing streak overall. And now a 15-game losing streak on the road, just in case you're keeping track. 
And in Milwaukee, the Pirates were also trying to avoid getting swept in their series with the Brewers, and they did not. Brewers got the win, 5-2, and the sweep. Pirates have now lost seven games in a row. Will Crow, who was just called up from AAA Indy on Saturday, five really good innings for the Bucks. He allowed just one run and struck out eight. Jacob Stoller, I'm sorry, he actually allowed two runs, although one. How do I want to put this? One runner was his responsibility, let's put it that way. He allowed an RBI double in the first inning. Then he walked somebody to lead off the six. That guy scored, so he was on. He was still on the hook for that one runner. Uh, Jacob Stallings, his fifth homer of the season. Adam Frazier, still red hot. Two more hits for the Pirates. In high school baseball, uh, regional play gets underway today in short gap as Frankfurt will host a North Marion for game one of their best of three series in Double uh, A Region 1. In Class A Region 2, Moorfield is hosting South Harrison for game one of uh, their series. And in AAA Region 2, Jefferson is hosting Martinsburg. The softball regionals also getting underway today. In AAA Region 1, Hedgesville is at Washington for the opener of that series. AA Region 1, 27-3 Kaiser is hosting 26-0 Oak Glen. And in Single A Region 2, Petersburg opens its best of three at uh, Clay Battelle. And that is uh, your Rock Around the Region brought to you by the Caporale Group. I want to send out a congratulations to all of the uh, track and field participants on both sides of the river. West Virginia wrapped up their uh, state track and field meets in Charleston over the weekend. And we had a lot of good showings. A lot of Frankfurt kids, a lot of uh, Kaiser kids. Way too many to mention. Wait, and I know that Maryland, I know they had their, was it regionals on Saturday, I think it was. And so they had, we had Allegheny and Fort Hill. Mountain, we had some qualifiers uh, for states from those schools. Again, the list is long. It's too long for me to go name by name by name. So I just want to send out a large group congratulations to the West Virginia, uh, what are they, track and field athletes for a really good showing. In Charleston, uh, it was Thursday and Friday, right? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then congrats to those on the Allegheny side of the river for qualifying for state. So there you go. To my knowledge, I don't think any Mineral County athletes won anything, like finished first, but there were some really good showing. Second place finishes, third place finishes, all state finishes. So congrats to all of them. As they wrap up uh, the season, which a <laughs> couple, couple weeks too late, right? couple weeks too late. Should have been done by now. And that, of course, uh, as I've mentioned on this show before, uh, bittersweet for me because that was my son's last, his last official high school deal. He went, he went to the state meet as an alternate he didn't qualify in the long jump or any of the races, but he went as an alternate, a fill-in just in case. So his bus ride home on Friday was his final bus ride. And then, as I mentioned in the first hour, we had his graduation party on Saturday at the house. So that pretty much puts a wrap on it. It's really, really weird to not 
to not have anything else to look forward to in high school when it comes to my son. It's, it's just a – and I was telling people at the party Saturday, like, I'm, I was in for a rude awakening on Sunday, yesterday. Because it's like there, there's such a, a finality to it, right? It's like just after that graduation party, that, that last hurrah, that's it. Now you get ready for college. Ooh, ooh. Now he's, he's still going to work out with, you know, the remaining cross-country team and runners at Frankfurt. He's still going to, you know, but eventually they're going to have to split and go their separate ways. It's a, it's, it's a harsh reality when you have kids. And if you're a parent and you're listening and you've had a, a child or children go through high school, you understand. You understand. It's exciting, but at the same time, it's bittersweet. It's just, you know. And the parties, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If you are going to plan a graduation party, maybe later this summer, or maybe you're going to have a senior next year, okay? And, like, our situation was, like, Little C is the only one that we have. We have our one and only. We have a, a, our boy, only only child. So we kind of blew it out, this party, okay? Like, we, we knew... At first, we were like, yeah, you know what? We're not going to make it a, a big production. We're kind of keep it low-key. But then we thought, man, like this is the only high school graduation he's ever going to have, right? And this is the only high school graduation party we're ever going to throw. So let's blow it out. And we did, you know, We went with the, you know, the decorations and all, we, just, we, we went all out. And, and why not, right? Why not? And so if you find yourself in that situation, if you have an only child, I, w- I would recommend... That just blow it out, man. Just just go over the top because you'll never have a chance to do it again. Now, if you want to blow it out for all your, if you have three or four, then you can do that too. But I'm just saying, you know, it, it's for us, it was a one-time deal. Let's just go nuts and throw them the best party we can. Here, and I would recommend it. I would suggest it. But here's, here's a warning now. It comes with a warning. Be prepared <laughs> if you're going to do that. Because this is pretty much how you're going to spend your time, all right? And I, I'll, I'll try to put it this way. You have two miles of work, okay? I'll try to put it that way in distance. You have two miles of work getting ready for the party. Two miles of work leading up to the party, right? Then you have about two feet of party. And then you have three miles of work cleaning up after the party. Does that make sense? <laughs> Does that, is that pretty much painting a good picture? Two miles of work leading up to the party, two feet of party, and then three miles of cleanup. And I was sitting in the house yesterday and talk, talking to my wife and I'm like, you know what? I said, for all the work we put into that party, it, it needs, you know, it should last longer than like eight hours, right? Like for as much work as you put into it, it should be like a three-day event. And that's what it feels like. And look, we had help. We had tons of help. People came down early. They helped out with decorations, helped out with, with the food. And we had a lot of help. And we needed it because, again, we went a little bit overboard. But for a good cause. But just be prepared. And again, if you've gone through it before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It is a ton of work just to get ready for the party, and then just like that, party's over. 
And you blink your eyes and say, where the heck did it go? But it was a good time. It was. And we appreciate everybody that came out. And here's a funny thing. You know, we had some folks, you know, come up to us through the course. And whenever you're hosting a party, it's different because you, you, you got to make the rounds. You got to make sure everybody is is good and they're fed and they're, you know, they're hydrated and, and whatnot. And, you know, you need anything, you got anything. And it's just, you're, you're constantly making the rounds. So if you feel like you don't really get the chance to talk to everybody a lot because you're just bouncing back and forth. But, you know, you had people... You know, some folks who make a comment like, oh, man, you know, thanks for inviting us. This is a really good party. I mean, this is a great party. You know, you throw, a, you throw a good party. See, but that's not it, right? That's not it. The people who throw the party don't make the party. It's the people who show up to the party. They're the ones that make the party great, okay? That, it, it wasn't us, right? We just put in the work to get everything prepared. We didn't make the party great. The people who showed up, the people who, you know, who were there, they make the party great. They made the experience special for my son. They made it, that party, what it was. You can sit there and have all the decorations and all the bells and whistles, and you can blow out that party as much as you want. But if people don't show, guess what? It ain't a party. It's just you sitting around with leftovers for the next two weeks. (laughs) It's the people that make the party great. So for all the people who did come out, and I talk, and it's what you do. You thank all of them. Hey, thanks for coming out. Thanks for coming. We appreciate it. Thanks for making our boys' day special, and that's what it is. You can only, the party is only as great as the people who attend it. That's that's done. That's it. That's that's the bottom line. That's That's my point. All right, put that on. Can we put that on a T-shirt? That'd make a nice little T-shirt slogan, right? The party is only as good as the people who attend it. And Saturday was a great party for my boy because of the people who showed up. And and and, and here's another thing before we go to break. Here, I know I'm rambling, but again, I have no audio clips for today, so I'm just going to talk about whatever I feel like. And I, no, no, I, I lost my train of thought. I completely lost it. Yep. All right. Never mind. <laughs> I had one more point, and then I, I actually I just completely forgot. Oh, I know what it was. Whenever you throw a party like that, you realize how how important it is for people to show up and make that event special. Because sometimes you know we'll get in you know, in general, you get invitations to a party. You're like, man, I don't know if I want to go. You know, I got this going on. I got that going on. You know, my life's pretty busy. You know, and of course, this time of year, you got, you know, graduation parties all over the place. But when you throw one yourself, you understand how important it is for people to show up for your child or your children. You understand how important it is for people to show up to make that day special for your your child that's graduating. So now you make the extra effort. And maybe you don't understand it until you go through it. Now you know if you get that invitation in the mail to somebody's party, you think twice, like, you know what, we got to go. Because you know how special it is for that person, for people to show up to their party. Does that make sense? And it goes along that same philosophy. A party is only as great as the people who attend it. So make, you know, make the effort to attend other people's party to make it great for them. There you go. That's a little party etiquette, baby. That's all it is. 
Anyway, I'm just trying to survive the show. I'm sorry. I am. No audio clips from anybody for anything. I'm just trying to get through the show. So there's a little party etiquette for you. Had a great time on Saturday. It was a lot of work, but it was worth it. Because my son, I think he thoroughly enjoyed himself. So again, if you're listening, some of you, I, I know you are. Thanks for coming out, for making that day very special for my boy. The last official thing for my son in high school. I, I still can't believe it. All right. Time for a break. We got news. I think we got some news, finally, and some weather coming up. And then back with more. Morning Rush. Stick around. WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Glad to have you on board. Hope you had yourself a wonderful weekend. Rush line is open. Just call me and tell me about your weekend. 301-759-2628. That'd be sports related. I just spent 15 minutes talking about my son's graduation party. This is one of those days. I had the entire show planned out, right? What I was going to talk about, I had the order I was going to talk about them in. I had all 21 audio clips ready to go. And then I realized that none of the 21 audio clips transferred to the system. So that plan that I had Right out the window. So we've basically been flying by the seat of my pants for the entire show. Quite literally making it up as I go along. So, there you go. 301-759-2628. I had two games in the NBA playoffs uh, yesterday. The Suns looking to close out the Nuggets, and they did exactly that. 125, 118, the sweep. And Phoenix moves on to the Western Conference Finals for the first time in 11 years. CP3, Chris Paul, who seems to be getting younger as a, <laughs> he seems to be getting younger as the playoffs move forward. He had 37 points, and Devin Booker had 34. But the big story of the game, was the recently crowned NBA MVP, the Joker, Nikola Jokic, getting ejected for a a flagrant foul in the third quarter. He was tossed with 352 left in the third. At that point, the Nugs were down by, they were down by seven. And he basically got called for a right hand to the grill of Cameron Payne. And after the game, Jokic said that he just he was trying to commit a hard foul on Payne to kind of give the Nugs a little spark. Because, hey, you're down in the series, 3-none. You're losing the game late in the third quarter. And it was really, it was, it was a hard swipe at the ball, all right? Trying to pick up, he tried to pick up a hard foul playing the ball. But unfortunately, this big old windmill, it caught pain in the face, which, of course, in the NBA, any contact above the shoulders has got to be reviewed. They reviewed it. They called it a flagrant two, and they tossed him. And looking at the replay, he shouldn't have got tossed. 
Not in that situation. Not late in the... Th- Look, he's the NBA MVP. And you can say what you want, but stars in the league get treated differently than everybody else. Why he got tossed, I don't know. He got absolutely no love. He got no MVP love from the officials. Where I think had there been some other former MVPs, officials may have let it slide. So I don't know why they didn't let this one slide. You could tell he clearly wasn't trying to hit Payne in the face. It was an accident. He, he was trying to, he admitted he was trying to commit a hard foul, but just playing the ball. The, the, the contact, the facial contact was incidental. But again, anything about the shoulders. So he gets a flagrant two. There was a scuffle after that. He and Devin Booker got into it. So they called a double tech on Jokic and Booker after review, and then they ejected. They ejected. Think about that. They ejected the NBA MVP in a win-or-go-home game for his team for something that he shouldn't have been ejected for. That, it, was, it, was a bad, it was a bad look for the officials. I'm sorry. And you can say what you want about, oh, well, a flagrant two for one player should be the same for another. No. Not in the playoffs. Not when you're talking about the MVP. No. Because what they did is they essentially ended Denver's season right there. They ended it. Without, because they already were without Jamal Murray for Lord knows how long. Without Jokic, they had no chance. Because, again, they were already down seven. So the officials, by ejecting Jokic right then and there, ended the game and ended the series. Now, look, the Suns may have won anyway if he had stayed in the game. We'll never know that. We'll never know. But I tell you, right now, without him in the game, they were going to lose. That was almost a guarantee. So he gets tossed, they lose, they're done. Jokic, the fifth NBA MVP to get swept in a playoff series. The first one to get swept in a playoff series since Magic Johnson way back in 1989. Jokic, by the way, had, uh, what, 22 points? 22 points and 11 boards in uh, 28 minutes. So the Suns get big games by Booker and CP3. They win. They sweep. They move on. And now they await the winner of the Clippers and uh, the Jazz Series in the Western Conference Finals. The other game yesterday, who saw this coming? The Bucks. Even the series. They beat the Nets they hold serve at home. And remember, we sat here and talked about after game two when the Nets beat the Bucks by 39 to take a two games to none lead. We're sitting there thinking, man, my goodness, Nets are going to sweep, you know, or they're going to win by five or in five games. Bucks coach Mike Boldenhoser, boot. Let me try that again. Mike Budenholzer is his real name. He's going to get fired. His job's on the line. It was all doom and gloom. Another flame out for the Bucs in the playoffs. 
and now they tie the series. They get the win yesterday. Like, who saw that coming after that 39-point loss in Game 2? Seriously. And even after Game 3, when we talked about Game 3, which uh, the Bucks won, it was 86-83, to one of the ugliest games you'll ever see. Because both teams shot terribly. And the Bucks still couldn't have felt good after that game. They, or was it 89-86? It was something like that. It was, they, the game was in the 80s, but I can't remember the exact score. But even after that Game 3 win, it's like, man, you still didn't feel good about the Bucs. They, they didn't play well. The only reason why they won Game 3 is because New Jersey just happened to shoot worse than they did. I think Durant and Kyrie were a combined 20 of 50 in that game. But they come back yesterday, and again, Kyrie, part of the story, because he got hurt. And now we're starting to see the Nets deal with what they had to deal with all the regular season. We talked about this before. Eight games in the regular season. Eight in which the big three played together. KD, Kyrie, and Harden. Eight. Harden's been out with the, with the hamstring issue. He hasn't. He didn't play in games two, three, or four. And now Kyrie, he comes down on Giannis's ankle yesterday in the second quarter. He leaves the game. He doesn't come back. He had X-rays. They were negative. They will thir- uh, further evaluate. So the Nets, even though the game's at home, they could go into this game five without two of their big three. It all depends on how serious Kyrie's ankle injury is. It all depends on how that hammy is feeling for James Harden. And all of a sudden, this series, which seemed like it was over after game two, has completely swung the opposite direction. Now it's the Nets who have an issue because they are not healthy. If Harden... As good as Kevin Durant is, if Harden and Kyrie cannot play, they're done. And that's no disrespect to the rest of the Nets roster. But let's be real here. That team was built on the big three. That team was built to win a championship, KD, Harden, Kyrie. That's it. They're going to miss two of those three? Maybe. Maybe. Harden might be able to come back. He's still listed as day-to-day. Kyrie, we don't know. But KD can't do it himself. He had 28 and 13 yesterday. Giannis went off for 34. He had 34 and 12. And the Bucs get the win. They played much better than that game three win. 107-96 was the final there. So now all eyes are going to be on, I guess, uh, pregame warm-ups <laughs> before tomorrow night's game to see who's actually out there is it going to be one of the big three, two of the big three, all of the big three? It's just amazing. And it was just what we talk about, and I've done it myself. I'm guilty myself. I do it more so with the Penguins than any other team. We panic early in a series. You know, it's, it's a seven-game series. And if your team loses the first game, it's like, oh, my goodness, well, we're in trouble. 
you know, or you, you, you lose the first two, or you split, or you lose two to first. Man, a series can be anything can happen in a seven game series. A lot can go down in seven games. That's why it's important not to get too get too high after a win or get too low after a win. Because you know, obviously, until the series is over, there's there's always another game. And it's just amazing. Like imagine if you're a Bucks fan, how you felt after that game two, that 39 point beatdown. And now imagine if you're a Bucks fan, how you feel today after winning those two games in Milwaukee and seeing the injuries pile up for New Jersey. Talk about a complete 180. Complete 180. Now, if the Nets can get at least two of those three on the court at the same time, they're going to win a series. They're going to win the series. I still think overall they are better because Giannis and Chris Middleton, as great as they are and as well as they've played, they're still not up to the level of a KD and a Harden or a KD or you know a Kyrie. Not not the if all they obviously can't compete with all three of them. But if all three and again they've been dealing with it all season long, all regular season. If the injuries prevent the Nets' big three of getting on the court, the Bucks could actually have a chance here. And who would have thought that after Game Two? Seriously, what a turnaround in that series! All right, ah, final break, and then we'll come back to wrap up the show. Stick around, please, and thank you. Morning Rush, WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. All right, wrapping things up here on the Morning Rush on this Mondayist. Oh, this is the most Monday of any Monday that is ever Monday. All my pages left. Of course it did. Of course it did. (laughs) I was going to give you uh, these scheduled starters for tonight's game because the Nationals and Pirates open a series tonight. I swear to you, this is no lie. Because everything is moving slow today. It took forever. For that page to load. And I had it right here in front of me. And it had the schedule, the starters. I looked down, and now it's back to the ESPN homepage. I didn't touch anything. I didn't move anything. I didn't hit any button. Nothing. It just automatically decided it wanted to go back to the homepage. Screw your scheduled starters, he says. Screw your national. I'm just going to do what I want. Anyway, uh, the Pirates and Nationals do uh, begin a series. Oh, here. Okay, now we got the page back. Okay, this is just ridiculous. Bucks are in D.C. Uh, J.T. Brubaker will get to start for the Pirates. John Lester goes for the Nats tonight. That game can be heard actually on two of our stations because our sister station across the hall, AM 1390 in Kaiser, is a Pirates affiliate. So it'll be on that station pregame at 640. The NIST station, we're a Nats affiliate, so catch the national side here, pregame 635. So there you go. So if you happen to be driving between here and Kaiser tonight and you lose one of the stations, you pick up the other one. 
just different uh, different broadcasts. The Orioles uh, open up a series, unfortunately, on the road at Cleveland. Jean Carlos Mejia gets the start for the Indians. Uh, Baltimore is starting the ever popular undecided. So <laughs> that's it. That it's undecided. They have no idea who's going to start tonight. The Orioles, of course, trying to snap that 15-game losing streak on the road. Which is, as we said earlier in the show, the longest losing streak. I'm sorry, longest road losing streak for the Orioles since they moved from St. Louis to Baltimore in 1954. I'm trying to think, is that Pirates series a two-game series? I think it is. It is. Yeah, the Bucks and Nats is only a two-game series. Which is actually rare when it's in the same, usually... Uh, you see two-game series, but they're interleague series. It's very rare to see a two-game series within the same league. But here you go. Tomorrow's scheduled starters, uh, Tyler Anderson, who's been pretty decent for the Bucks, and uh, Patrick Corbin, who has not been very decent <laughs> for the Nationals. We got uh, one game on tap tonight in Stanley Cup playoffs. The uh, Canadiens and the Golden Knights open up uh, their Stanley Cup semifinal series. We talked earlier about the Islanders beating the Lightning uh, yesterday in their uh, series opener, 2-1. to one. So the Isles have a one-game-to-none lead in that series tonight. Again, uh, Canadiens, who is the lowest-seeded team remaining, will try to take on uh, the Golden Knights in Vegas. And I am rooting heavily uh, for the Golden Knights. And the Clippers and the Jazz also play tonight as well. That's the only game in the NBA, or is there another one going on? I mean, let me. I hesitate to even try to check the web page because I know we got like three minutes left in the show, and it might take all three minutes. Here we go. All right, two games tonight. That's right, two games tonight. Uh, we have in the Eastern Conference, top seeded Sixers. They're at the Hawks. Uh, the Sixers trying to take a stranglehold on a series. They now lead 2-1. to one. Then in the West semifinals, uh, Utah trying to take a stranglehold on that series. The Jazz up on the Clips, two games to one. And, of course, we'll talk about all these games, hopefully with audio clips uh, during, <laughs> during tomorrow's show. No guarantees, though. I guarantee, I guarantee nothing. You see what the, the Blue Jays did yesterday? It went yard eight times. Eight home runs yesterday for Toronto. Third most home runs in a single game in Major League Baseball history. Doing some yard work. And I would tell you who they beat, but again, the webpage won't load. So I, there's a whole lot of starts and non-finishes today's show. I start talking about something, and then I want to follow it up with a stat. I can't even get the page up here. I do know Toronto hit eight home runs yesterday. I can tell you they won the game. What I cannot tell you is who they beat and what the score was. Because I can't load a simple web page in the studio today. That's how the show is going. That's how the show has gone today. That's why I said when we came back from break, this is the Mondayest of all Mondays. Like, this Monday has Mondayed like no Monday has ever Mondayed before. That, this has been the last two hours. 
And as I'm talking, the webpage still won't come up. Still won't. I don't get paid enough for this. I really don't. I really don't. Oh, here we go. All right, now it comes up. They beat the Red Sox. They hit eight home runs against the Bo Sox, and they beat them 18-4. to There we go. I'm just going to sit here. I'm, I'm just going to wait it out. I'm just going to wait it out. Because I know if I try to get in, there's like 20 seconds left in the show. If I bring something else up, I won't be able to follow up on it because I can't pull up a web page. Here, laptop. Boom. Done. Closed. Finished. How about that? I hope your day goes better than mine did this morning. I, I hope that your day goes well. I thank you so much for sticking with me this morning. It's been difficult. Has not been easy. But then again, life isn't. Thank you for listening and putting up with me for the last two hours. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a great day, a wonderful day. Hopefully Monday treats you better. Hopefully Tuesday will treat me better tomorrow morning. See you then, 6 a.m. sharp. This is the Morning Rush. I am Tony C. And oh my goodness, am I done. Bye. Bye.